1: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. It's always an honor. Today is Wednesday, November the 9th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. It is the morning after the election. On November 9th what have we done? We'll talk about that. On November 9, 1989, Communist East Germany threw open its borders, allowing citizens to travel freely. To the West, joyful Germans danced atop the Berlin Wall. I've mentioned this several times because it deeply impacted me. I was there a couple of times during this time. I was there, I saw the Germans dancing, joyfully dancing, on top of the wall. I have a piece of the Berlin Wall on my desk, a small piece, but I brought it home just to remember. Freedom is a wonderful thing. Myself and several other ministers and pastors Actually went into East Germany, what had been East Germany, uh, and uh, we took one guy had a guitar. We had a battery-driven um, uh, kind of a amplifier and a microphone, and we just went over there into a, a big square, uh, as large like a downtown square. It felt like you were walking into from from Western Germany in Berlin. Walking into the nineteen early nineteen forties or nineteen thirties or something like that. I mean, that's how it felt there. All everything was kind of gray and black, and the buildings were old. And I mean, it was like a movie set or something. But anyway, we went over there, and um, we just kind of set up shop and turned on our little amplifier and as loud as it would go. And and this one guy started playing the guitar, and myself and and several others, we just started preaching, and we didn't know. For sure, what would what the response would be from the authorities, but uh, and we didn't know what the response would be from the people because they had been in bondage for so long, and that wall was real and people got shot trying to escape over the wall and everybody knew it, especially in Berlin there, and um, we just started preaching and sharing the gospel and nobody did anything, nobody seemed to care. I mean but people started gathering, and by the time we'd been there for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or so, we were there about an hour and a half, maybe, something like that, but... Um by the time we'd been there, about 15, 20 minutes, there was a, a quite a large crowd, maybe 1,000, 1,500 people gathered in that plaza, and there were police walking around in uniform, but they didn't seem to mind. We didn't have a permit or anything. We were just doing it kind of spontaneously. But a number of people accepted Christ, and a number of Christians came up crying and talking to us and telling us how great it was to have freedom again. I mean, it was coming. They saw it, it was happening. And so it was a remarkable experience. I always think of that when I hear something about the Berlin Wallets. It was uh, one of those impactful moments in my life. I've had a number of them. That was certainly one of them. But today, 1989, East Germany threw open its borders. Indeed, they did. As I said, I was there. Today in 1920, the passengers and crew of the Mayflower sighted Cape Cod, they sighted it. They didn't get off the boat yet, but they could see land, and it was Cape Cod. Today, in 1872, fire destroyed nearly 800 buildings in Boston. Today, in 1938, Nazis looted and burned synagogues, as well as Jewish-owned stores and houses in Germany and Austria. It was a it was a well-organized program of deliberate persecution of the Jews. That became known as Kristallnacht the night of broken glass. Today in 1965, the great northeast blackout began, a series of power failures lasting up to 13 and a half hours left 30 million people in seven states and part of Canada without electricity. I've been reading in various uh, journals and, and reports and things that we are due for something like that in the U.S. again because of some of the failures of some of our, our computer systems, and one thing or another. So there are people predicting that that's going to happen again. It's just a matter of time. I don't know. I'm not an expert, and I haven't spent a lot of time looking at it, but boy. Today in 2016, Democrat Hillary Clinton conceded the presidential election to Republican Donald Trump, telling supporters in New York that her defeat was painful, and it will be painful for a long time. Well indeed it has been for her that she has lived that moment when she realized she would not be the president of the United States. She's pretty much lived that that has been her life. That's been her conversation. Any interview, public interview she's done, it's always about her and it's always about that. So that was a true statement from Hillary Clinton that it would be a long time before she would get over that. She still hasn't from my point of view. As voting concluded last night, sort of, I was thinking about the tens of millions of honest, God-fearing, hard-working, patriotic individuals who made the effort to vote before and during the day in one of the most consequential midterm elections in modern times. I often hear people say, I'm only one vote. Does my vote really count? I mean, I hear that a lot. Does my vote really count? Does it make a difference? I mean, it's just one count, just one vote, one count on a big number of some kind. But data shows that one vote can matter more than Americans might suspect or might think, even you and me. More than 400 elections ended in ties or were decided by a single vote in 2021 and 2022. This is according to a tally by the Public Interest Legal Foundation. They're an election watchdog group. That's what they do is just gather data on elections. And then there's the emotion of seeing an election that does not go the way you prayed and hoped it would. You've worked, perhaps you've worked for a candidate or worked on one of the issues or a number of the issues. You've prayed, you've sacrificed, you've done everything you can humanly do, and then you see the election is not going the way you had hoped and prayed that it would. I want to talk just for a few minutes this morning about something that Sissy Graham Lynch has said. She's Franklin's daughter, Billy Graham's granddaughter. She has some words of encouragement for all of us if the election isn't going the way we had hoped and prayed and worked, that it would. I'll come back to that in in a moment. But I want to talk about this morning just a little bit. The Spokesman Review is saying Republicans were inching closer to a majority in the House of Representatives as Election Day came to a close. This is the Spokesman Review in Spokane. Likely to be decided, the Senate is still up in the air Tuesday night, likely to be decided in the coming days by a handful of tight races. One vote might make a difference there in those tight races. But the Spokesman Review says, and other papers are saying this as well, that the Democrats avoided the shellacking that some had predicted. It does appear that could be true. The Spokesman Review says in this story that is carried in a number of other papers, not just the Spokesman Review, but it says, going into the final day of voting, polling, and precedent had suggested Democrats were likely to lose their House majority, but it was unclear just how big a red wave would wash over the country. Then it goes into a lot of details, saying that this happens all the time, and every time there's an election uh, like since the end of World War II, the sitting president's party has lost an average of 26 House seats in midterm elections and so on. Representative Pramila Jayapal, Democrat from Seattle, she said, you heard all this talk about a red wave and let me tell you, that is not what I'm seeing. The hill is a left-leaning, but it's pretty widely red." Organization. It's not as leftist as The Atlantic and The New Yorker and that, but The Hill is leans toward the left. They kind of deny that sometimes, but it, it isn't true. They do lean to the left. Here's what they're saying this morning they said there are some crucial results still to come in the 2022 midterm elections as Wednesday dawned. For some lessons, we're already clear after a dramatic night. Here are the top five takeaways. Number one is Democrats were breathing sighs of relief all, all night long on Tuesday as it became apparent the Repub- Republican red wave predicted by some pundits and polls had failed to materialize. They say the GOP hit its high water mark early in the night when projections from Florida showed that both Gov- Governor Ron DeSantis and Senator Mark Rubio winning their seats easily. But it has been all downhill for the GOP from there. That's not entirely true, but it is true there was not a red wave washing over America as many had hoped for and prayed for and some had predicted. The Hill says the most dramatic results so far came when Democrat John Fetterman's defeat of Republican Mehmet Oz, Dr. Oz, in one of the nation's most closely watched Senate races in Pennsylvania. I am still in shock and unbelief. I, not that I support Oz so much. I mean, I, I don't think he and I share a lot of values from what I've heard him say in the past. But this man, John Fetterman, can't speak. I mean, he can't communicate. He had a stroke, and it's sad. I mean, really. <laughs> And he can't help it, but should he be in some of the most powerful seats of government What he can't speak, he can't communicate hardly at all? I don't think so, but he's there. Oz is a pretty well-spoken, well-informed guy. He's not a conservative, really, socially, for sure. Senator Raphael Warnock, that way far left, crazy far left pastor who pastors the church that, that uh, MLK pastored in Atlanta, He's, uh appears slightly favored over the former football star Herschel Walker, though it's not yet clear if a December runoff can be avoided. Other results across the board, the Hill says, also buoyed Democratic hopes. Senator Patty Murray of Washington, she had a strong opponent this time, surprisingly so, Tiffany Smiley, political newcomer. Seattle Times says that uh, she is going to win. They have called the race. Associated Press has called it as well. Senator Patty Murray, they say, will win. She, the last count this morning was Murray had 57% of the vote, Smiley had 43%, and um, that was about 2 or 3 o'clock this morning, um, Eastern time, that that was predicted. Oregon's governor's race is too close to call. The race is between Tina Kotek and Christine Drazen. Christine Drazen is a Christian She's a good politician, been in politics in Oregon for a number of years. She was the minority leader in the House, uh, Oregon House of Representatives. She's a Christian. She's a graduate from a Christian college, university. Tina Kotek is a lesbian who's married to a, a woman whom she calls her wife. I saw a clip Late last night I was going through some clips of news clips of what was happening around, particularly where this program is on the air. And uh, she was saying the great the, uh, Tina Kotek was saying the race is too close to call, but she was thanking her wife, can't remember her wife's name, Susan or whatever. but she was thanking her for all the hard work and she said together we, These two lesbians are going to be leading Oregon to a new calling and a new day. Oregon election results, governor, Congress, legislative winners, all of them too close to call. Oregon passed Measure 114. That's one of the strictest gun control measures in the United States And Oregon voters passed Measure 113 as well, punishing lawmakers for walking out of a session. It's amazing. In Arizona, surprisingly to many, most people were expected to vote early by mail, in person, or by a drop box. Those ballots require the verification of voter signatures. Officials are saying that the timing of results will depend on how many people return their ballots... At the last minute on Election Day, like last night, as just before the election closed, and but they're counting. But right now, um, this Hobbs is leading uh, Lake, who is the former TV news person. She's very dynamic in, in her personality. I don't certainly don't know her, and I don't know Hobbs either, but I've been following it pretty closely. And I we have a lot of listeners to this program in the uh, Tucson area and uh, we hear from you, and thank you for that, by the way, uh, for your support. Uh, I think Maricopa County, where Phoenix is, and I think Tucson is in, is it Pima? I think that's how you pronounce it, or Pima? Pima, I think it is, county. Those are the two counties where this Hobbs, <clears throat> the Democrat, is leading very strongly. There's a couple of others, but but these are particularly uh, strong, uh, Maricopa, it, it's kind of the the Phoenix is in that county, so it's kind of the Seattle King County, Portland Multnomah County thing in Arizona, and uh, when you when you look down all of the other counties, this Carey uh, Lake is is winning, uh, or most of them. There's a couple of others I can't remember which ones they were, but it's again it's where the large city, the masses of people are have turned so liberal that it influences the statewide uh, elections. And you see that in Washington and Oregon. And you see it now, apparently, in Arizona as well. I also noticed that uh, Idaho Republican Governor Brad Little, he will be reelected to a second term as governor. It's been called Pretty early in the evening, Associated Press, in, in fact, called the race before the statewide results were available uh, based on their exit polls or something. But the field of gubernatorial hopefuls also included, I noticed that were running, that did not win, but they were running. It included Democrat Stephen uh, Haidt and Independent Ammon Bundy, Libertarian Paul Sand, Constitution Party nominee Shanty Rose Davison, and a write-in candidate Lisa Marie. Little is a rancher. He's from Emmett. He was first elected governor in 2018. Previous to that, I think he served as lieutenant governor, and I think he was also a member of the uh, Idaho Senate. But he is going to be the newly elected, again, governor of Idaho. McCarthy, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has declared that the Republicans will take back the House of Representatives. Now, a GOP takeover of the House would likely mean that McCarthy will become the Speaker of the House for the 118th Congress. He's worked hard at this. Uh, It is certainly something he wants. He said, I want to thank the millions of supporters across the country. He said, "Um, it's very clear that we're going to take the House back. However, at this time, From all the publications I've seen, the Associated Press has called winners in 371 of the 435 House seats up for grabs. This includes 199 Republicans and 172 Democrats. Associated Press reports that two Democrats have lost their seats so far. and That, again, was a couple of hours ago this morning on the 9th. And uh, to take control of the House, a party needs... 218 seats, meaning that Republicans are currently 19 seats away from capturing the lower chamber, the House of Representatives. So McCarthy said, if you believe in freedom, hard work, and the American dream, these results prove that there is a place for you in the Republican Party. We are expanding the party. That's kind of an overview of where we are this morning. Uh, it, the, the bottom line is we are it's too close to call on most of what's happening. Not all, like the Idaho governor is, is pretty well, I mean, he's in uh, from all accounts. But there still is a lot to yet be decided. That, of course, opens the door for skullduggery, as my <laughs> grandmother used to call it. Um, a lot of things that ought not to happen can happen in these pauses, in these Times, I'm not suggesting it is. I don't know. But I do know that there has been and there could be some fiddling around with the results in the various states, counties, and nationally as well. But I just want to talk to you. That we'll, we'll stay on this election, and we'll keep reporting kind of in a diminishing way as we learn because we've got to move forward. It is what it is, and we'll see how it turns out. Uh, As I said, this race in in Oregon is is remarkable uh, that a state would elect an activist lesbian, but maybe it shouldn't be so unbelievable. But all kinds of things like this, and, and she hasn't won yet. Drazen is remarkably strong in this uh, contest in Oregon. In Washington, there was hopes that maybe Patty Murray could be sent home. That didn't happen. So a lot of the times we look at these and we think, number one, does my vote really count? And I wrote an article on that today because I knew we'd be talking about what we've just covered, the latest on the election this morning on this program as we originate live at 9 o'clock. But I also wanted to leave you with this. There have been more than 400 elections ended in ties or were decided by a single vote, as I said earlier. Does my vote really matter? It does. It does for two reasons. And I'll, The first one is that it, it counts. I mean, let's assume that the elections are, are legit. We, we have to assume that, and we have to work toward making them that. Every day, every year, we have to fight for democracy, for freedom to save our republic in the the United States, if we believe it's worth saving, and I certainly do. But the total includes elections in the states of Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Iowa, Maryland. All of these have had contests for major offices and some of the minor offices, according to this foundation's findings. Tied elections identified by the foundation were almost all for local governments, city councils, school boards, county clerk, but some were state legislative races also in the mix, such as Alabama Senate primary that ended in two in two candidates with a tie of 17,000 votes each and was decided by a lottery. Other tied elections were for offices as small as precinct officers for Republican-Democrat parties in Pennsylvania jurisdictions. Others were related to presidential elections. In fact, they mentioned, just as an aside, this is pretty much focused on the last 12 months, but as an aside, they mentioned in 2016 uh, presidential hopefuls uh, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, that would be during their primary Deadlocked in a precinct contest with 51, 51 votes apiece, Hillary won the contest in an ace-high card draw between ace of clubs and six of hearts. This president, Christian Adams, he's the president of this organization, this found, this foundation, he says small things matter in close elections. Ties happen, illegal votes, mistakes, errors. That shouldn't determine the winner. Indeed, it shouldn't. But remember, your vote does count. One vote does count. But what if the election has been called? What if the election has been concluded and we are in the process of moving on? And the person you had prayed for and worked for and and helped and supported and voted for and felt they were the right person, what if they lose? What if the election doesn't go the way that it should? Sissy Graham Lynch, Franklin's daughter and Billy Graham's granddaughter, the late Billy Graham's granddaughter, she said she was standing in a long line for early voting several weeks ago, and she said this not this year. I think it was last year that she said this, but it was at election time, and it's relevant to today. She said anxiety overwhelmed her, so she prayed and texted friends, urgently asking them to join her in prayer at her home the next morning. She said before meeting with them, her devotions led her to Second Chronicles chapter 20. In that, she and she quoted it, and it's from a, a modern version, I think it's ESV, I'm not sure. I generally quote the King James Version here just because I've memorized a lot of verses, most all verses that I've memorized in the King James, because I'm over 40. But she's, she shared this verse, it's, Uh, out of uh, Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12 and verse 17. For we are powerless against the great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Sissy said it's time for us to trust in God, thinking specifically about the election. This is God's battle, it's not ours. We need his help. My prayer is he'll be a God that shows mercy to this nation. As women gathered in Lynch's home, they asked for God to intervene, and Sissy Lynch, Graham Lynch, says, Peace filled my heart. We do what God has called us to do, and we trust him to fight on our behalf. She said, no matter what happens, no matter if my candidate wins or loses, no matter who's the president of the United States, I will still continue to do what I've been doing the last few years. I will, I will still be passionate about the things that God has laid on my heart. I will still fight for issues like life and religious freedom and international religious freedom. These are the things we've had to fight against, no matter who the president of the United States is, she said. She constantly advocates for these causes. She's been a very strong voice for biblical Judeo-Christian values and a very influential voice. She said in the coming weeks, she's preparing herself for a spiritual battle, regardless of who is ultimately elected, and encourages others to do the same. She said Satan is trying to destroy our nation with lies and darkness. She said do not let the chaos and the confusion of Satan determine your reaction to the world. Let the world see the light of Jesus in you. That doesn't mean we, you don't fight. She said, it doesn't mean you don't go to battle. It doesn't mean you just sit back and passively, in the name of love or whatever, let things happen. She said, we have to take a stand. We have to go to battle on some of these critical issues we've been fighting on because the world will come against anyone who believes and calls on the name of Jesus. But whatever we do and however we do it, we're to do it in the grace, in the truth, And do it in the way that's honoring to God. I think that's a good word for us as we see these elections continue to roll out and see what the results are. Regardless of the results, we are to remain passionate in our service to God, in our our service to fellow man. Because we are the salt and the light. And I'll tell you, for me, as long as we have your support We will continue passionately to do what we do because regardless of the outcome of elections, we've got to shine the light of God's truth into the darkness of this world. Hey, I'll see you right here tomorrow.